Thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having an amazing day. That's right. It's Wednesday, up day, June 7th, and today is National Boone Day. That's right, for Daniel Boone. Also, National Chocolate Ice Day, Gretchen. It's National Oklahoma Day for our, all, all of our Oklahoma friends, as well as National VCR Day because everything was better with VHS. That's a World Caring Day as well as National Running Day because everyone needs to run away from all of these crazy policies that are happening across the world. As well as, it's the most ironic day of them all. Are you guys ready for this? It's also World Food Safety Day. That's right, because we all know our cannabis is way safer than our food because of all the testing we have to go through. But nonetheless, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. If you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. We're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the Quasimodo caretaker, the baby Zozo specialist. Oh, oh yeah. And not to mention he's a professional athlete, professional at backpedaling and flip-flopping. That's right. It <laughs> is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Oh, yeah. Dope is dead in the street plus, just like safe banking plus. Oh, All right, right. <laughs> that one. All right, Jason. Um, 2021 seems like just yesterday, right? In fact, it was the damn near exactly two years ago, June 14th, 2021. The California state legislature, state legislature, approved of a 100 million dollar bailout rescue um, for a struggling essential business industry that literally carried the world's fifth largest economy through the COVID 19 pandemic. But whether you believe it's a glitch in the matrix or just plain old history and bad policy repeating itself, at least one notable industry insider is speaking up to say it's time for round two. We need another bailout. Yana, Yana Dinshvetko, the executive director of 
United Cannabis Business Association, UCBA, out here in Los Angeles. I spoke with Green Market Reports' John Schroyer and said that the most immediate problem is that hundreds of businesses are already behind on state taxes and might literally be unable to come up with the cash to pay those bills. And one of the tax problems, a bill that eliminated the cannabis cultivation tax, also changed the formula for how marijuana companies calculate their own tax bills to the state. And it wasn't even discovered or announced by the state until late last year. This left many retailers in the position of owing much more than they think or they thought that they did with a newly funded batch of auditors now breathing down their necks. Um, We're starting to have a conversation about what a potential bailout program could look like, uh, Shvetko said. At the minimum right now, a bailout program should include some sort of terms for repayment of taxes, as well as dismissing the excessive 50% penalty that's in there. Nearly 300 retailers, almost a quarter of the state's licensed marijuana sellers, are in arrears over state taxes. Um, he said that his he and his team um, fully anticipate Q2 to be even worse when those numbers uh, finalize, leaving those 300 pretty much shit out of luck. He added that um, there are many rumors one of the biggest distributors in the state may not be around for much longer, uh, which could make uh, continuing operations for other businesses even harder with market contraction going on and a debt bubble of unpaid unpaid bills that is also reportedly continuing to grow. As we're having conversations with other cities coming online, they're seeing this data come through and it's scaring them off from investing in an industry that's failing right now. And what he's saying does does have some merit. And uh, with all these cities that are pretty apprehensive when they uh, when they want to bring cannabis into uh, their municipalities because it's looking like it's failing across the board. Um, we're seeing that seep into other states, um, two that are contemplating making the jump into full legalization. I'm, I'm looking at you, Oklahoma. Uh, when Shvetko's uh, UCBA stablemate, Jared Kylo, spoke with Green Market Report late last year on the looming $600 million debt bubble he predicted to begin bursting sometime near the second half of 2023, the industry was divided. Some thought it was propaganda and overestimate uh, to scare folks into line with uh, UCBA's agenda, but others agreed, and uh, some even saying that it was not only on point, but they might have been underestimating what's going on. Uh, Well, here we are, inching our way into Q3 with more negative leading indicators on the California retail market. Did the bailout work last time? Will the state be open to another cannabis industry bailout? Is is Yannickton Shvetko just trying to scare folks with all the doom and gloom language? I don't know. I'm not a retailer. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. But you know what? Jason Beck is. What do you think about this one, Jason, as a retailer? Is what uh, Shvetko is saying? Is that true? Are we going to need a new bailout? Send all the bailouts. They want to send us more money. I'm, I'm always happy to accept it. Um, do you think I don't agree, I don't agree with them, but but like if people want to give me, especially governments want to give me free money, I'm always going to take it. Do you support a bailout? No, I do not support hell a bailout. No. no, hell no, I don't support a bailout. But if they're going to do what they want over there anyway, and so if I'm going to be the recipient of it, I'm going to be happy about it, but I'm not going to be supportive of it. What happened with that hundred million last time? One hundred million. Where'd that go? That was just for social equity. <laughs> that that was local control. They bailed out, and local control that can't control anything got bailed out. Now we're going to bail out an industry that can't do anything either. I'm sorry, Prop sixty four is a broken model. Unless you fix that, we are going to be bailing out somebody in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. 
What do you think, Mandy? Is your is your uh, delivery service going to get a bailout? I mean, like you said, I'm not going to be a big supporter of something like this. I think that these things happen when you don't have really careful business practices and you take on more than you can chew. But um, if their money is available, we will be applying. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Yeah, if the money's available, we're going to go after it and get it. You know what I mean? Cash grab. Corporate welfare. It's not, it's not corporate welfare. <laughs> I get them shot. Corporate welfare. Just stop it. It's not big corporate welfare. Rep- big government. You know why? You know why it's not corporate welfare? welfare queen. I'm going to tell you why. Because in welfare, they don't force you to work, and in this situation, they're forcing you to work because it's for businesses. That's what are you talking about? They, yeah, well, they let me work. tell you. Uh, I've seen you as an owner. I wouldn't call what you do work. So I'm yeah, right. <laughs> so, so Sean, okay. Kieran, are, you, are you calling Jason Beck a green welfare queen? I, he's definitely a queen, and I think you can put welfare in front of that. Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> God. Here we go. Oh. What do you think? What do you think about this one, uh, um, Gretchen? I agree 100% with Sean Kiernan. Jason is a welfare queen who just loves a handout. I almost spit my, my tea all over my computer. <laughs> uh, is a bailout really going to help? Uh, I mean, no. is help build a market no. or sustain a market? No. no. So no. I don't see how this is a good thing. The only thing that really is going to help the California market is comprehensive uh, tax legislation that lowers taxes for mm-hmm. these uh, for these operators. They're, that's the only way about it. The states that have legal cannabis also need to be heavily lobbying on behalf of our industry at the federal level. We're not hearing any state legislators going and like, or, or governors saying, hey, legalize it on the federal level. He's dying over here. Like no one's saying that. That's so true. That needs to be happening. We need to be having this discussion. Our governor needs to be speaking to the damn president. Do you think uh, um, if, if federal legalization actually does drop, the first thing that um, that is done is a an immediate bailout, <laughs> immediate bailout from the federal government of all these struggling cannabis businesses? No, not at all. The, I don't know why the government would have an incentive to do shit. They're making a lot of money right now. They're not doing bad. Yeah. They're not. The doing and backwards. And the Sean, as I both know, you give local control to people that uh, think this is uranium, depleted uranium. You're going to have to protect all the children. This shit's never going anyplace. It's going to be successful for an operator. Well, mm-hmm. Dale, yeah, they make money now, but if they go out of business, then they're they're just going to be cut off. Hey, Dale, you know what's interesting is there's two bills in front of uh, the, the the legislature in California, and they're going to be included in the in the budget. But we are going to be bailing a hundred million dollars off for the tax decreases. So we're literally so short on taxes in California. We can't pay the backroom promises made to the unions and the environmental groups, and the government's having to f- put in $100 million from the general fund to cover the shortfall of those promises uh, from Prop 64. It doesn't get any crazier than this. It is absolutely insane what's happening out there. It is a case study in bad government. Um, one thing that, that, that kind of flew under the radar in this article, uh, Shvetko said that one of the state's biggest distributors is going to be going under. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, that is very true. Justin already uh, shared that in the chat, said Herbal's going out of business on Friday, closing the stores. Listen, Rico, it's a broken model. It's not set up. Bottom line is we so convoluted this thing with so many uh, additional costs. The distro model, as outlined, doesn't work. 
and it was a great front for a lot of people who didn't want to pay taxes and wanted to divert cannabis. But it was set in place by the Teamsters who thought it was going to be like alcohol. They were going to uh, control distro and be the tax man for a collector. And it didn't work out. And it's so, not I mean, work out. The distro so, model is broken. So herbal herbal goes out. If 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 herbal goes that- out of business, you have what Nabis is 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 the big dog in yeah. in the state at that point. Uh, you still have everything heavily levered on one business there. And so if Nabis fails, they're they going to be too big to fail for the California distribution market. Nobody is no. worried about cannabis being too big to fail. They will let it go down and say because is. of the operator. Uh, n- no. Cureleaf just, just, just negated yeah. that yesterday. They just, they just proved that they're... Bless uh, your heart, Rico, that you think that any state government <laughs> cares about cannabis. They, they do. don't. They, they would like to get the tax revenue, but they also have plenty of other folks lobbying them and pushing for this sucker to go down. So they have... It does not matter to them, truly. It does uh, not matter. True leave? Is that, is, is that a pun? I don't see uh, you put in state... Uh, Mandy, I would love for state lawmakers to be lobbying uh, the feds and tell them that how much we need this. Um, but none of them are going to put their necks on the line to save this industry. Mm. Case in point, New York. Mm. Ooh, nice. I see what you did there, Gretchen. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very punny this morning. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon? iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Yeah, y'all know who's up next. The, the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer, known to many for smoking the best weed in the world, and is standing in line this morning to collect his government check. <laughs> you know who it is, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. So, um, full disclaimer for everybody. Uh, I had a story that I originally was going to do today, but I think I may get one of the persons involved lawyers with us to join us tomorrow. So I will not be covering that story today. I'm going to be covering it tomorrow. So in the meantime, I have this story for you. Are you guys ready? And we have a video to go along with it because there's a video of a five-year-old smoking cannabis in the front seat of a car, and it results in the arrest of the parents and more in the Weed Chronicles. A Louisiana man arrested after giving a five-year-old marijuana and recording it. Oh, man, you know, you're not supposed to record crimes and you definitely shouldn't be giving cannabis to minors. But nonetheless, a Louisiana man did and was arrested after posting a video to social media of a five year old smoking cannabis. Uh, According to the Baton Rouge Police Department, John Hall was arrested for aiding the delinquency of a juvenile, writes WBRZ Channel 2. It remains unclear when the video was taken, as the police were only made aware of it recently, though an anonymous tip, the child who was given a blunt while sitting in the the front passenger seat of a car is the grandson of Hall's ex-girlfriend, and Hall was taken to jail just on Tuesday. 
And uh, this is not the first incident the young boy was involved in due to the lack of proper adult supervision. In May, his mother, Desiree, Desiree Fielder, was arrested after her son and her nephew hurt themselves with a loaded firearm. She had not reported the incident to police, though. They learned about it uh, via a hospital report of two children with gunshot wounds. So this sounds to me like a serious case of... Um, Bad parenting, just to say the least. But we have we have a video. Adam, are you ready with the video, Adam? There's a video of this kid Watch smoking. The video. Play. Officers have arrested 49-year-old John Hall for contributing to the delinquency of a juvenile after a video was posted to social media of a five-year-old reportedly That's smoking it. They don't show any more of the kid. In that video, Hall is seen handing the marijuana yeah. cigarette to the child who was sitting in the front passenger seat of the car. We're told the child was his ex-girlfriend's grandson, the boy was also involved in an accidental shooting that left him and another child hurt. Hall was booked into jail Tuesday. We'll continue to bring you the latest on this story on our website, WBRC.com. Hold on. Did they say that he was involved in a shooting, too? Yeah. The little boy. Yeah. The little boy smoking blunts and shooting people? <laughs> no, he was a victim. He was shot by... Oh, okay. uh, I think I think it might have been an accidental shooting, but no, they were playing with guns at some point. Yes, yes I agree with that. The, the mother was allowing her and his nephew, her nephew, to be playing with guns, and they had a had an incident where the kids were injured by the firearm, and they were saying that get that was the kid out of that situation. Yeah, like yeah, get, get this kid is a there's a, a crisis interve- intervention. I don't understand why CPS <laughs> the first time, Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana is always trying to take kids. Take easy. Well, the social service situation in this country is very, uh, how do I say it? Uh, kind of at, at a whim. We're at a lot of people's discretion. There's a lot of gray area in this sort of thing. But this is, this child should have been removed and put in some sort of safe, protective custody back during the gun time. Oh, I guarantee you that when they were investigating that, they uncovered a lot of other things that we haven't heard about. Guaranteed. And there probably was more that would have happened if they didn't have, if he wasn't on, if he wasn't recording the shit. Mm-hmm. Do we, yeah. do we know like, who was Instagram in charge of this shit? child at this point? Because if the grandfather was arrested, was he maybe put with the grandfather after the gun incident? I don't think That's it was a question. Great question. Great question. The grandfather's who got arrested. Forty-year-old grandfather. Oh yeah, sorry, my bad. Yep. Can you imagine going into jail? They're like, "Why are you here?" And he's like, "I gave a five-year-old." I gave my. I let. And then I filmed it, put it on the internet. I let my grandfather the blunt. Like, he did it for clout. He did it. He did this shit for clout. Clout in that. There's no clout in that. That's just douchebaggery all over. There was, no, what, a million fucking percent, but this is Louisiana, so I don't know. And I still don't understand why we don't have to get some sort of license before kids are brought into this world. I, I think you have to pass financial requirements on top of getting a license. Yes. I remember driving. Yes. Uh, I remember driving. <laughs> I know that, listen, I'm not really in a favor of this, but it just blows my mind that we have to have a license to catch a fish. A license to yep. grow a plant, a license yep. to drive a car, a license to cut hair, license to do nails, anything to own a business. You have to have a license. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we really want government more involved in our life? No, I wasn't really serious no. about that comment. I was just making a, a really 
odd comparison. You know what I used to remember, though, being in the car in the 70s? Um, my wife and I were talking about this the other day because her mom smokes. And there's literally pictures like it looked like you're in hot box in a car with cigarettes going to school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Smoked. That was, I mean, that was so much of this is culture. I'm not saying they got what the guy did is smart, good or good for the kid. But there's pictures of, you know, kids back in the 60s and 70s grabbing mom and dad's beer or wine and having a sip. And it's very culturally acceptable because you didn't want to make a big deal like in Europe. They don't make a big deal about this stuff and they have you know, treat it very differently. So it's just a, it is a horrible, definitely view. But at the end of the day, what I find interesting is how this becomes such national attention. And we love to, to gawk and look at, oh, how stupid they are yeah. when most of us can't. I mean, I have four kids and I've done some dumb shit with them. So, um, you know, it's a great point. That's a great point, Sean, over in Europe. Um, yeah, when I was young, I lived there from when I was five years old to I was 10. I remember uh, there was kids not too much older than me that were smoking cigarettes. Yeah, in I was in Pan and I was 13 years old. Okay, young. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but this, you know, we love telling everyone else how horrible they are, is, you know, to sit on our ivory tower. And I'm not justifying this at all or it's saying real. it's smart, but, no. you know, why is it part of the national discussion, too? Sounds, sounds like you're justifying it, Sean. Not justifying that real news, <laughs> not TMZ, but <laughs> yeah, slippery slope. There, it's a slippery mm-hmm. slope. It, it is. It is a slippery. He's slope. skating right now. <laughs> Roller skating, backflipping, back backpedaling. Yeah. Back, uh, back he needs a all that. Yes, but coming up next, that's right. It's our feisty little redheaded conservative Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to tell pot loving libs all about themselves while. Trying to tell me about myself at the same time, too, every once in a while. But we all know what the truth is. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. There are not enough sound effects out there for the level of my size. Um, And for all those who might be confused, I am a full-grown woman. And I am actually two inches taller than average. So don't call me little, you little punk. Yeah. All right. Uh, Little Gretchen. (laughs) Get him, Gretchen. My headline is coming from good old Marijuana Moment, Sean. I know you're going to love it. We got uh, it. New York Senate passes bill to let marijuana businesses in New York City take local tax deductions prohibited under federal law. The New York Senate has approved a bill that would provide a tax relief to New York City marijuana businesses that are currently blocked from making federal deductions under an IRS service code known as 280E. While Governor Kathy Hochul signed a budget bill last year that included provisions allowing state-level cannabis business tax deductions, a partial remedy to the ongoing federal issue, New York City has its own tax laws that weren't affected by the change. Now the Senate has passed legislation from Senator Luis uh, Sepulveda to fill that policy gap, voting 43 to 18 on Monday to send the local reform fix to the Assembly for consideration. This bill would allow a deduction for business expenses incurred by taxpayers authorized by the cannabis law to engage in the sale, distribution, or production of adult-use cannabis products or medical cannabis for purposes of the unincorporated business tax, the general corporation tax, and the corporate tax of 2015, commonly referred to as the business corporation tax. A section of the city's tax code would be amended to add sections allowing the deductions in an amount equal to any federal deduction disallowed by Section 280E of the Internal Revenue Code. This modification to income is appropriate because while the expenses of cannabis-related businesses cannot be deducted for federal purposes, New York law permits and encourages these businesses akin to any other legitimate business occurring in the state. 
The city's business taxes should similarly encourage these business activities. It also notes that the reform legislation has the support of New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Lawmakers in several states have pursued the tax workaround as congressional marijuana reform legislation continues to stall, leaving state-licensed cannabis businesses with significantly higher federal effective tax rates under prohibition. For example, the Illinois legislature recently approved a budget bill that includes similar provisions to allow licensed marijuana businesses to take state tax deductions that they're currently prohibited from utilizing at the federal level. That measure has been sent to the governor's desk. In April, the governor of New Jersey signed legislation to allow licensed marijuana businesses to deduct certain expenses on their state tax returns as a partial IRS 280 workaround. Lawmakers in Iowa, New York, Pennsylvania, and Virginia have similarly pursued tax relief for each of their state's marijuana markets. At the congressional level, Representative Earl Blumenauer reintroduced a bill in April that would amend the IRS code to allow state legal marijuana businesses to finally take federal tax deductions that are available to companies in other industries. The congressman told Marijuana Moment that he believes the reform would ultimately generate tax additional tax dollars as the existing code acts as a disincentive for marijuana businesses to report taxes honestly. Also, a, new a newly formed cannabis coalition that launched on Tuesday is advocating for marijuana rescheduling or descheduling. If cannabis is placed in Schedule 3, 4, or 5, that would place the industry outside of the parameters of the 280E ban, the group has pointed out. For the time beating, time being, the marijuana industry continues to face tax policy challenges under the umbrella of prohibition. Um, I think this is a wonderful move by New York City. I hope that it gets passed where it needs to be. Um, if you are a licensed business, they should be doing anything and everything they can help to alleviate the tax problems. Is it enough? No. Get rid of 280E. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Oh, New York, New York, New York. It's like the gift that keeps on giving in cannabis with bad policy and bad politicians. And why are you calling this bad policy, Jason Beck? I think this actually would be good, and and overall, I'm willing to bet it like gets stalled somewhere, or some something bad's going to happen. Some 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 like very stupid decision is going to be made around this to where it doesn't benefit anybody, and it just benefits the politicians. The alcohol, the cigarette lobby is going to come out, and they're going to sue. They're going to sue Kathy Hochul and say that they need a tax deduction too. My concern is it's marijuana moment, so I don't know how accurate it really is in reporting. <laughs> Well, either way, I, I disagree with you, Jason Beck, that this won't pass or become law. I think New York will pass this. <coughs> you think they'll pass it? Yes. This is a statewide bill. The initial vote was 43-18. I'm eight. happy to put $100 on this, but we all know Jason Beck doesn't pay his bets. So. That's the point. Pay you last yes. time. He, I, I he, he owes you again. He owes me on two other bets. That he's delinquent on. I like mean, many other cannabis businesses, Jason Beck, delinquent by paying. No, hold on, Gretchen. You have not sent me yes. a dress stamp. I don't need to send you a self-dressed stamp envelope. It's called Venmo. It's called PayPal. No, I don't have Oh, my God. This is insane. How do you not move into the 21st century? Come on. Once again, asking for your financial support. Yeah, I'm a cash-only business, Gretchen, and I only support cash-only businesses. Stick it, Jason Beck. Stick hey, it. I got a question. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. And, and yes. not yes, to divert, but this is, goes along marijuana moment. Yeah. We've done their, uh, you know, uh, Tom Masshole and, and Kyle jerking right. off. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, 
they uh, have said, you know, they're saving disabled veterans from losing their benefits with all their great work. Yes. And you said you were going to find out what actual benefits we lose as disabled veterans for using marijuana. Did they ever get back to you? I have not heard back on that front. I will keep you apprised of it when I do, Sean Kiernan. So you're saying uh, they, they they replied with no comment? Nobody replied with no comment. Mm-hmm. I thought you said something about they were talking about our VA loan or something. I, that was another veterans group I was discussing the issue with. Oh, so that oh, other, she's cheating on you, Sean. That, right, that other is. veterans group. Uh, Unlike Jason Beck, I go to all lengths of the earth to get all opinions and facts regarding the information I put out. So we like to call stretching with Gretchen. There's too many officers. There's too many military officers and straw veteran straw men acting like they know what they're talking about. And any veteran group out there supporting that we're losing our benefits for using marijuana is nothing but a straw man for corporate cannabis. Damn. Unsourced group is. Tell him I said that. What you got to say about that, Gretchen? I would love for us to stay on the topic of New York cannabis, uh, but I'm happy to pass along your words to them, Sean Kiernan. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a wonderful bridge builder. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this industry needs. Keep it coming. (laughs) That is what they need. That is 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 what they need. In the effort of taking time, because I have one other story. It's going to take a little bit of time. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yes. Whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that like button and make sure you hit that subscribe button if you have not already. On top of it, make sure you head over to our website, www.hyatt9news.com. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. You will then receive an email in your inbox, we are hoping. And then you must hit confirm in order to be receiving our weekly newsletter. As well, we have a ton of great merch up there on the site for you to check out. Look at that. That bag bipartisan bag and look at that you can even wear something that i say and you can even find a shirt that has gretchen's one of gretchen's size on there but nonetheless we're going to keep it moving we have one more commercial to get into keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state local and federal governments is key to success when the future of your business is at stake you need representation as dedicated as you are With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the Law Offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Y'all know who it is. He started off things as a co-owner of California Medical Re- Oh, wrong one. Wrong one. Up next, he is a founding partner of Armada Law Group, and he is also everybody's favorite foul mouth uncle here to give us a little bit of legal perspective for the day. Dale Schaefer. Good morning, Sean. And I've also given more than my share of um, 
Square needles in the left nut for vis visiting them brothels. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was the square? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Sean knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I don't, don't care how good at all. she was. My story comes out of Law 360. And the headline is Company says deal for cannabis license was lawful. And if you believe that, I've got some swamp land for you around Phoenix. This, as I was reading this, this is a social equity person that got bent over and screwed by a, a group. And the guy was, um, he qualified for social equity in LA. Uh, he was approached by a group fund, uh, founded by an attorney, which should get your hackles up right away, uh, and some other group. And they approached him. And what seemed to have happened is they came up with an exclusivity agreement within a week. They had an operating agreement and a management agreement for this guy to own 51% of a company that was going to be managed and all the money was going off to um, the management company. And under the social rules in LA, you're supposed to own 51% and get 51% of the profits. So there was kind of a game being played here. And I've done this myself for 280E reasons. You move the profits off to a management company to keep your taxes as low as you can. But when you're doing social equity and you move the profits off from the plant touching business, the guy owns 51%, um, you know, 51% of nothing is basically nothing. So this guy got a little pissed off and um, he decided to sue these people because he was not getting the benefit of his bargain. And one of the things I try to explain to my clients is the difference between dimes and dollars. And I've done a bunch of these agreements. I've been involved with them. I've been hired to look at them. And what gets offered to social equity people are what we call dimes. If you get a check for five, six, seven thousand dollars a month, you think you're in heaven but you ain't getting shit from the value of the company. And that's what tends to happen here. And this guy just got, he got irritated at watching what was going on. And they also put into this, that, um, that this management company has first right of refusal to buy this guy's membership interest in this LLC that was set up. So <clears throat> if something was to happen and he was wanting to sell his shares, the first place it was gonna go to the management company was a closed loop. And I've seen this happen more times than I care to think about. And this is how social equity people get taken advantage of. This company is claiming, well, they have plenty of time to look at these agreements. Um, that should all be fine. There's no really gross um, things going on here because after all, LA took a look at this and they're very careful. They wouldn't give us a license that this was taking advantage of this guy. My answer to that is bullshit. This these governmental agencies don't care about these social equity people. They turned a blind eye to way too much. I've reviewed these documents myself. I've, I've got a lot of people, these rich white fuckers that come in with all this money to take advantage of these social equity people. There's a bunch of them just don't like me. In fact, I think they throw darts at my picture because I call them out for what they do. I pull their pants down and they really don't like it because when you explain to your client that you might get a couple thousand dollars a month for a few years here, but then your family doesn't get shit because they've dumped all the debt on you. And when it's all is said and done, uh, you can't pay your debt. So they end up taking all your shares and you're out in the cold. So this is, this is yet to be developed because they're trying to take it to arbitration where you can't find out what happens. And they're going to fight this.
But as I read this, this points out one of the major problems with social equity here in California. If you ain't paying attention to this across the country, then you're going to get bent over. And when you hear the zipper come down, just hold your breath because it's coming. As a Los Angeles social equity applicant and awardee, uh, the, the opportunities we had evaporated. Actually, I do know a few people who it worked for. Uh, but this is actually interesting. One, let me just make a comment. There is a African-American gentleman who got in trouble for being predatory. So it's not just a bunch of rich white kids and people taking care of it in L.A. That's an interesting case study that you're never going to hear about. Um, but this is also a function of overreach by the social equity. We so convoluted the agreements and so micromanaged it, no investor would come in to invest with social equity. Uh, you know, as, as some investors said, and it wasn't a white guy who said this, said, you want me to give millions and millions and million dollars to a criminal who's never run a business and give him complete control? It's not going to happen. Um, we're not being realistic. We're not dealing in reality. The reality is most businesses fail. So the reality is all this failure is probably natural and healthy to a certain extent. Um, but I don't know what the answer is other than we need to disintermediate government, but we also need to disintermediate the social do-gooders who mean well, but don't know how to design a model that works. And, and that's our challenge in front of us. I think you get the, uh, the nail on the head right there, uh, Sean. It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal for both sides um, um, of the social equity uh, coin being flipped there. And um, this is what I always say, man, you can't show up to a football game with basketball shorts on. If you don't, you don't come prepared to go to war, you don't come prepared uh, to actually do business like these people have been doing business for years, sometimes decades and generations, then you can get your ass handed to you. And um, they're going to make sure that they cross all their T's and dot all their I's. You got to make sure you do the same. When you're under the table, you know, Nick makes a comment about opening up banking. That is by far probably the best thing we can do to help people succeed of all racial lines is is put them in a situation where banks can win. Now, I know the loan issues with, you know, poor neighborhoods and black and brown communities. But one of those discussions in Sacramento is to bring a state bank together. Right. And you could underwrite a social equity part um, of that. And so I think there's options that are on the table. But unfortunately, they are not being discussed seriously at the highest levels. Well, and there's no uniformity, Sean. And that's, I mean, I've done this in, in multiple jurisdictions around the state and it's a feeding frenzy. And when, when you get in and look at what's going on, uh, there's hidden agreements. It's hard to go to the, the city council or the board of supervisors and rat people out when there's confidentiality agreements and non-disclosure agreements involved in all these things. And so you said in watch, People go forward in good faith just to be, um, you know, sort of kicked kicked over the ledge as these businesses get the opportunity to step in and take over. And there's a lot of problems here because running a business is tough. Half of them fail, even with the best intentions. But if you're not putting effort into teaching people what to look for and actually giving them an opportunity to have a neutral attorney review it and explain to them what's going on, then they're left out in the cold, and it, it oh. once you sign these agreements, you are screwed. One of the other problems, though, Dale, is is if you look, how many people in Los Angeles have been arrested for cannabis? It's gigantic. It's probably you know six figures. And how many licenses are there? So it's kind of like an oversupply of social equity, right? Which enabled the owners of these businesses to take advantage of the most desperate out of the few, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it again, it's just set up horribly. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it's meant to fail. Run. That's what I would say to your clients. Just run and don't waste your time anymore. You know, it really, really pisses me off, though. I mean, they took all that crypto money knowing damn well that, that the majority of that shit was a scam. Right. But they don't want to do it. They don't want to touch cannabis. Right. Like, and and, and it's, it's legal on a state level. And a lot of these banks can do more business with uh, uh, with cannabis businesses, but they just choose not to. Right. But they, they will 100 percent take any of that crypto cash that put them under. You know what? Yeah. Well, I've seen it wasn't all crypto cash. I've run into some groups of, you know, I call them spoiled trust kids to put a bunch of money together and they bring together, um, you know, an attorney that's willing to play games with them. And they rope people into these unconscionable deals. And a lot of them are back alley deals. There's people that are not going to ever be allowed to be in the industry, but they're pulling strings and they're funding stuff. And the person, I mean, I've, you know, explain to people, you might be getting three or $4,000 a month now. It sounds great for you, but you're not getting shit of the real equity that's building in this business. Yeah. And no one really explains that to them going in or puts any checks or balances in. It's left up to them and they're picked clean. And it's just hard to watch. And like I say, when I call them out, people don't like me because I don't give two shits to like me or not. If you're fleecing my client, I'm going to pull your pants down. And call you up. And I've had calls. I mean, I had a call with a SPAC with some big name guy. Oh, we're out there looking for the little guy. And when I told them they could stick the deal up their ass, the next thing I know, I got the executives and social equity people wanting to talk to me. And the bottom line was, if it's not good for the shareholders, then we're not going to do it. Okay. We don't really care how it hurts the social equity person. It's not good for us. We're not going to do it. And that was really what my client needed to hear. And we're all we're all those SPACs now, right? We're all those SPACs now. I have a question. Go ahead, Zaza. So I'm just wondering. Um, I, I'm listening to this story, and I'm listening to the stories of every state that this similar type of thing happens in. Like, who are who's listening to these stories? Who's watching the news? Who's doing any research? Because for this same type of thing to happen from state to state to state, it's quite ridiculous. We've seen some contracts come across that were about 100 pages that were signed in less than seven minutes that were put together by attorneys in this state and sat down with applicants and told them, oh, you don't need an attorney. I'm an attorney. I'm looking out for the best of these people were practically signing away their babies that they hadn't had yet and, and, and free weed for six months for for their signatures just to be on a license mm -hmm. for some of these people. But how is this just happening in every state? Like what how do we it was ahead of it as states come on board? So that we don't have these same exact scenarios going on. So this is capitalism. It was designed to fail from the beginning, Zaza. This is capitalism, a little bit of FOMO, and uh, a lot of bit of uh, just like people being sold on that bullshit that this is going to create quote unquote generational wealth. Social justice meets cold hearted capitalism. Straight up. There, and uh, I know I, I get a, a ton of hatred every time I say this, but you know, there's, I personally believe there, there's no such thing as conscious capitalism. Wow. <laughs> capitalism is capitalism. You're you're trying to make money, and uh, for every uh, time you make money, you're taking a dollar away from somebody else. You, you uh, know what, Rico? I agree with you in a, uh, one way, but I think it differs. I mean, if you think about it, 
the the conscious capitalism, social capitalism can't exist if the social part is your marketing budget. We do good, right? Like the Weed for Warriors, we're putting cannabis, WFW cannabis in the stores, and people are buying it because they say, how do we support you guys? Now, if we take that money and are transparent and do good, that is social capitalism. There's not a lot of them, but people like Ben and Jerry and people like, uh, uh, you I don't know, know, if I put Ben Newman's and Jerry own. in there. It, but it only, it only makes sense is if everybody is applying themselves to the same rules and the same level of ethics, and that's not the case. Yeah, 100%. You're right. And they're not. And uh, they're not for their shareholders. Yep. And, and, uh, and I still believe capitalism is the best. And nonetheless, we're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Morals are subjective. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It's Carmen Sacramento. She's always traveling around, doing the thing, living that executive lifestyle while being a mom as well as an edibles judge, judging everyone's edibles, regardless if they're good or bad. That's right. It is the Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. So quick question. I don't know if anybody's ever taken a wrong turn or wound up someplace that they didn't mean to by following GPS. But have you ever done it when you had a carload of money and weed at the border of our nation? Well, my friends, a 60-year-old driver accidentally took a wrong turn with his GPS at the Canadian border where he was arrested with 400 pounds of cannabis and more than $600,000 in his car. Ha! Ah, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said in a news release that Andrew Lee Toppenberg was following GPS coordinates that were entered incorrectly when he mistakenly ended up in the border lineup at Canada's Rainbow Bridge border crossing in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Oh, my goodness. Toppenberg of Tustin, California, was subject to an inspection because he did not have his passport with him, according to police. Canadian border officials said that they found 181 kilograms or about 339 or 399 pounds of cannabis during his inspection that was valued somewhere between $269,000 and $539,000. They also found more than the $600,000 cash in the vehicle. The drugs and the money were located throughout the car with the cannabis in vacuum-packed container containers and the cash separated into bundles that were concealed in a safe, suitcase, and lockable case, according to the police. The police also said that packaging looked like the sort of containers drug dealers, or money launderers used, which led them to issuing charges against Toppenberg on suspicion of the possession and import of cannabis and the possession of more than $5,000, knowing that all parts of the proceeds were obtained by a crime. Toppenberg appeared in an Ontario court on Monday and remained in custody, the news said released. Uh, Jeff Walters, the director of Niagara District Operations for Canada's Border Service Agency, said in a statement, the CBSA is extremely proud of the diligence shown by our officers. Their hard work has a profound impact on continually ensuring public safety at our borders. 
Well, guys, this poor old man just made a wrong turn and created a whole lot of mess. <sighs> Has this ever happened to you? And can you imagine being in this situation? What do you think? This is Mandy at Hyatt 9. Wrong turn. This motherfucker's from Tustin? Like, this is Orange County. This is a California. <laughs> Way out. Yeah. That was all, all California cannabis inside of there. That's 2,500 miles. This, this <laughs> Thank you for you. It was really hard to go read that story and not laugh all the way through. But. So, so I saw this headline, and I had no idea he was 60 years old. I know. Old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> I, I remember getting a call from a client who was uh, had a cop behind him getting ready to start searching his truck, and it was just packed full of distillate. He was heading from California to, I don't know, fucking Iowa or something like that. And it's like, what do I do now? <laughs> well, I'll call for an attorney and wherever the fuck you are and see if we can get you bailed out, you dumbass. But you're done now. You're done now. <laughs> He was trying to upgrade uh, a, a Canada's product. <laughs> you know, really, he he like just didn't bring his passport, right? Like that was the real accident, and then he got ended up in this whole inspection, I'm sure. But you guys think about God, this is so fucked up. Like, what if he really just innocently took a wrong turn? <laughs> oh, I mean, hold on a second, though, Mandy, because if he would have if he would have had his passport on him. All right, then he would have been in Canada and his customers back in the US. So then he would have had to come back into the US from Canada, where that is just a gnarly border, and that's what they're always looking for is for weed. And so, like he was damned if he does and damned if he doesn't yeah, at that point. Really screwed. But also, this is just further proof that Canada needs good weed from California. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, do you want to do you want to tell your story, Sean? Which one? I don't, I don't know. I thought you had a story you wanted to share. No, I, I mean, Nick uh, said it's, it's happened more than once where uh, distros have not gotten off on the last exit in San Diego and had to go through the border in Mexico and, and gotten tied up. And, you know, it's it talked to many of these distributors who would try to get their product back from Mexico. And I don't know if anyone ever succeeded, but they would take it all and, and really see stuff and, and mess with these guys. So it happens. Um, you know, remember that Clint Eastwood movie where he started driving drugs for uh, the cartel because no one pulled over. Oh, that was man. a really good movie. That that's what that this was sounds a really like. good it movie. Was probably Grandpa's yeah. kids who packed the car for him and told him to start driving. Yeah, I don't remember. What movie was called, but that, was, that one that was good. That that was a really good movie. Oh man, I feel bad for this old man. But yeah, it's gonna be old, man. 60 ain't old. 60 is like what the new 40? It's, it's older than me. Bro. Oh, <laughs> it's not old. 60 is not old. But can you imagine? Like, oh, poor guy. Just poor guy. Well, this bad. is how Tim Leary got popped. Yeah. Uh, Driving well, across the border and they inspected coming back and found weed in his car. So he's, he's, like he's brand new. He's poor now. He got his cash snatched up. <laughs> How would you feel if you were the car behind this guy and you were held up for hours because he didn't know what he had on him? Dude, that would suck. That would suck, right? It would suck. You'd just be sitting there in traffic. You really think they held up the whole gate for hours? I'm sure I'm they sure. moved him over to the side. I'm sure, I'm sure he was holding up the gate for long periods of time. Okay. I, I sense a little bit of ageism in your voice there, Jason. <laughs> what you got against old people, Jason? I love old people. They take too long. You know, you had a bad experience. What's going stop on? It, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You know what? Talk I'm, about it. We got 
nine minutes. No, no, no. Nope. I have, I have, I have, I have, I have, I have, I have one. I'm burning your heart. I have, I have one more story for you, Gretchen. Okay, and I I'm, can't wait. I'm gonna give you a present. Okay. Ooh, ooh, is it a hundred bucks? It, nope, it's a real present. Okay. Uh-huh. The the present is this: is that this is a a very long story. Great. All right. So Love I'm it. you that, and you can read the I'll full story at our website yeah. at iodinenews.com. You're gonna want to hear this. Yeah, you're gonna okay. want to hear this, Gretchen, because this is all about that forty million dollars in Michigan that we've been trying to find for veterans. All right, let's work on our conciseness, but go for it. So, so, so Sean and I have been working on, on discovering where this $40 million went and look, we might've found a clue. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, let's you have full permission to stop me so that you guys can talk about this. Okay, thank God. That's your present. Okay. But missteps by Michigan's leaders helped conceal marijuana corruption. That's right. A provision in the state law that launched Michigan's marijuana industry attempted to prevent corruption, but then Governor Rick Snyder's office failed to enforce it, and the public was kept in the dark as a key appointee took bribes, according to a Detroit News investigation. The 2016 medical marijuana law required that members of licensing boards submit under oath financial disclosures about their debts and business interests annually. There's no remaining documented proof that Marijuana Licensing Board Chairman Rick Johnson's disclosure was submitted before his uh, appointment or while he served in the role. If the law had been followed and required annual disclosures were made, Snyder's office could have had a chance to detect money flowing from lobbyists to business entities controlled by Johnson and a monthly payments to Johnson's wife by a businessman seeking marijuana licenses from Johnson's board. In one instance, a business that federal prosecutors say was used as a vehicle to funnel bribes to Johnson appears to have been concealed in 2018 because the governor's office didn't request for financial records that year for members of the board as required by law, according to three board members. Even if a disclosure was submitted, state policy directed the reports to the governor's office, which is not subject to Michigan's open records law, meaning the documents would remain secret out of the public's scrutiny. The apparent missteps by elected officials helped Johnson, a GOP uh, former State House Speaker, become chairman of the Medical Marijuana Licensing Board in 2017, wield power for his own benefit, and keep his financial uh, and in, in gate entanglements secret. Johnson's lawyer and another board member didn't respond to requests to comment about their disclosures, and in recent weeks, three of the five medical marijuana board members told the news they were only required to file personal financial disclosures once while they served on a panel from May of 2017 through April of 2019. Under the law, there should have been at least two rounds of annual disclosures, though the law doesn't specify when. Johnson's pleaded guilty in April to taking bribes, uh, though companies he controlled, his disclosures uh, showed had have listed the companies, including VM Enterprises, an entity for which a lobbyist for a marijuana business filed paperwork with the state to organize on February 8th of 2018. And that filing signed by lobbyist Monty Lentine listed Johnson's wife. 
or excuse me, Manny Lentine listed Johnson's wife, Janice Maria Johnson, as the company's resident agent, and Rick Johnson used VM Enterprises to accept bribes while he chaired the marijuana licensing board, according to federal prosecutors. Lentine rented office space to Johnson in 2018, while Johnson was chairman of the licensing board. According to a public disclosure, he did not return a phone call seeking comment. Former State Representative Mike Calton, a Republican from Barry County who sponsored the 2016 law that created the licensing board, said lawmakers worked to add checks and balances and transparency requirements in an attempt to stop wrongdoing from occurring in the Burgoyne. All right, Jason, I'm going to stop you here. Uh, All not right. that I don't want to hear every ounce of this. However, did this man go out and buy a $40 million home? Well, first of all, I was supposed to read it, and the answer is no. I don't think it, it is uh, uh, that, Gretchen. I said a clue, Gretchen. I said a clue. I think what, what we have here is a systemic issue, and that's the sure. problem. And the systemic issue not only revolves around corrupt government in Michigan and most other states, but an absolutely decimated fourth estate. Where are all our reporters in cannabis, your friends at the marijuana moment? Where are all our friends in the cannabis movement? who are actually doing real investigative work on, you know, how many uh, freedom of information requests have been requested, not only 40 million, but all the spending and all this stuff going on. None, zero, nada, why? Because we don't have journalists in cannabis. Mainstream journalism doesn't can cover cannabis, except people like right. the LA Times when they finally admit it blew up, right? So this goes to the very core of the problem. It's a systemic issue. You literally had the guy running and chairing the, the licensing board right not filing financial disclosures he's legally required to pay it being okay and no one calling him out and therefore money's flowing to him his wife and who knows who else through them um to fix the, the game it's a rigged game and you want to understand why people show up on january 6 you want to understand why americans are pissed because they see this in their community long before it's talked about on the high at nine news and it is yep. going to get worse unless we take our, our responsibilities as citizens seriously and start to challenge the status quo. Hey, Jason, I'm so glad you gave us an update on this one. When this first opened up and this guy was first accused of this, um, uh, I was talking about it then. And you and I were the only ones talking about corruption in Michigan on a, on a state level uh, um, last year when we had a lot of pushback from people on the right and the left uh, on that. It, it goes all the way uh, amen bro. Well, hold on i mean i mean similar things are happening in this in this investigation in the white house currently and so you know but but i will i will bet that that i and gretchen i told you <laughs> for that little jab in there <laughs> for the white house jab in there we're not talking about joe Gretchen, Biden. Well, how about how about the supreme court jason hold on, hold on. we got any problem on the supreme court with this same shit and I'm, I'm fine with the supreme court right now yeah, well, that's we're just gonna hold 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 on a second though, Dale. My daughter, but loves but I do think that this is the same way because I'm willing to bet they haven't fixed any of this law, and this is how Governor Whitmer is allowing for that forty million dollars to not be found. Yeah, but but yeah, but uh, Sean, you have a very very valid point. This is this is not a Michigan specific issue. This is a system wide issue. It's just Michigan is um, they're at the forefront right now, and and, and the spotlight's on mm -hmm. them. Uh, you put this microscope on any 
legislative uh, uh, um, uh, process around cannabis in the country, you're going to see a lot of this shit has been going on across the board everywhere. Right. Uh, so let me give you an update on the research because I actually can give you an update. Oh, here we go. Um, and I challenge any of these called anal- uh, reporters to do a Freedom of Information Act. Uh, there was uh, some meetings behind the scenes and they came to agreement to run them FDA uh, research, which is going to mean a lot less profit. Um, but it was not set up that way. And there's actually emails. There's actually texts talking about what they were doing and that we have them. We'd happy to disclose them. You guys are the iodine news. So you could talk about it. Um, but what's so disappointing is just a lack of accountability, not only from uh, the government and them not mind, you know, minding their manner, but the journalists, you know, uh, who, who don't exist in cannabis are absolutely failing our communities, our voters, and all they're doing is not covering things because their sponsors are paying them and they don't want to disclose what their sponsors are really doing behind the scenes. Anytime you need to have a discretionary decision made by a politician, money is going to corrupt this. And every place we look, you've got to get discretionary approval at multiple levels. And it's not what you know, it's who you know. And ever since uh, we allowed money to be free speech in this country, the shit's off the rails. So I don't know how you can expect. Um, I mean, Sean, this industry, I've, I've witnessed it where you call it out and people get pissed off and they find another way to get money into somebody's pocket. Um, just because that's how this game's being played right now. It's right. disgusting. And it's no different. The story I brought the people with money are going to take advantage of who they can to get what they need out of whoever's in front of them. And if government's there and you need somebody to say yes, you're going to find out a way to get that person to say yes to you. Yeah. Well, All right. closing, closing statement. Well, I agree guys? that uh, reporters could be doing more in this space. Uh, Sean, I failed to see where is the major big business conspiracy uh, shutting down these stories. I don't see that at all. I see overworked well, reporters who are basically maybe a, a step up from an intern. Reporters well, make no money, have no time, no budgets. And for many of these publications, they want two, three stories. I need it today, today, today. They don't have time for FOIA requests and six-month investigations. That's just not how the industry works. Uh, even in mainstream journalism, the lack of investigative reporting is is appalling. And that is truly something that's gone. I don't see some massive conspiracy where someone's like, no, we got to protect the Michigan uh, governor or their administration. Uh-huh. This is overworked, underpaid, no money put into journalism that's what this is okay all right all right so thank you thank you all uh thank you all for tuning in to the very spicy episode today of high at nine news catch us live weekdays 9 a.m pacific and high noon on the east coast big shout out to our live audience members online supporters tuning in for, and giving us feedback on the daily headlines you tell us matter most because we're all democratic and shit over here our tenured industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the globe bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your vetted opinions to the conversation to our production team cloud media partners house of fuego the wonderful jaja simone over in uh, clubhouse holding things down the vortex and everybody all of our sponsors keeping our av struggles in check to the haters out there i hope you run out of gas today and you forgot your wallet at home leaving you stranded in canada <laughs> and finally cannabis sativa l the reason that we show up every day for these headlines y'all know what it is june 7th wednesday 2023 i'm rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street you've been hit with the industry's top headlines hope it was enough 
for you to put in your pipe and smoke until at least until tomorrow. Sean Kiernan, thank you for joining us today. Give us a good outro to leave the people with today. What you got? You know, I just like to say cannabis is saving lives. Access, we see lower suicides and lower overdoses. We had 110,000 overdoses last year in America and over 50,000 suicides. That's 160,000 Americans who will not be at the holiday table for July 4th, Thanksgiving, or Christmas. We can really make an impact with that, with freeing not only cannabis, but fixing our drug policy with the Controlled Substance Act. It is literally killing us. Everyone fighting is fighting the good fight. It's not going to be easy, and it's going to take a lot longer than we think. But God bless America, and I think we could do it together. Yes, indeed. Unity.